It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am John Corrales, joined today by Sam, quote-unquote, Jam Packer to keep the Rain and Jays theme. You're like the third person in our wrestling stable. That's okay with me. I keep things interesting. I, I kind of change up the dynamic a little bit. I'm a little bit weirder than you and Jay. Yeah, you just, you're here to throw salt in people's eyes, hit them with chairs, do whatever we got to do to win. So... Thanks for joining us today. Uh, today's episode brought to you by Mack Weldon. We're going to talk about how comfortable that stuff is in a moment, but please go visit MacWeldon.com. We have a promo code LOCELTICS. You'll get 20% off when you make a purchase there with that promo code LOCELTICS on Mac Weldon. That's Mac with a K, MacWeldon.com. Coming up on today's show, Al Horford. Talking today at practice, you'll hear something from Al Horford and some from Coach Stevens talking about this front court, which yesterday Jay and I just came to this snap realization that it's going to be Horford and Amir Johnson. That's that's basically going to be it. And Horford's talking a little bit about him and Amir, and, and Brad's talking about that, the impact of those two together. Also, Danny Ainge just dropped a bomb on us today. He eats for free. At Chipotle. We're going to get into that because that is, that's breaking news. And then our friend Kevin O'Connor had a great piece on shooting form and how he thinks Ben Simmons is shooting with the wrong hand and just how guys are, are being inundated with these these shooting coaches and, and how that's really changing some people's games, making them good to great. So we're going to get into all that. Before we do that, let me remind everybody about the Locked On Podcast Network. Please, if you haven't subscribed to us, if this is your first time listening to the show, by all means, please subscribe to us. Search Locked On Celtics wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Do that. If you are a subscriber, you haven't rated us, please. Five stars really goes a long way because it spreads the words. It pumps us up in the rankings, and it gets the word out there, and then – People will start listening to the show more, and it justifies our existence. So let's do that. Okay, Sam, let's get into this. You've seen a couple of these preseason games. Al Horford, Amir Johnson, that's that's the front court, and it looks like that's going to be the front court for at least a little while. And then once Kelly Linick is back, we'll have to figure out if it stays that way. But I think this is going to be how it goes. And as me, I, I was – Pro Kelly Linux starting, but I've completely changed my tune. I think a Linux should come off the bench. I think it really depends on what you want out of your starting unit. It feels like uh, 
Amir Johnson's your de- defensive option and Kelly Olynyk's your offensive option. I think clearly you're going to have a better defense with kind of Horford and Johnson being able to have that versatility to guard either the four or the five. And they're both, uh, and Johnson's just a way better defender than Olynyk. But if you really want to stretch the floor and give Isaiah Thomas and the re- and surround him with shooters, you're going to want to put uh, Olynyk out there. So I think it depends on kind of what you think is the the most important to starting games and what tone you kind of want to set. Uh, I agree with that. You kind of it makes sense to kind of come out and set that defensive tone early, knowing that you have this like kind of Olynyk card in your back pocket, and then. Um, when you get to the second unit, it, it, if they really struggle to score, maybe you're going to want to have Olenek out there. But I think it really depends on kind of how, how Stevens wants to start the game. Is it in this kind of offensive mode or is it in this kind of bear down defensive mode? Well, I think that we know from this team that it, I think they're defense first. And I like that idea. This offense is going to be – predicated on them having a top-notch defense so why not put those two guys in there really really defend the rim hard early on and in the first five six minutes of the game set the tone get out there run on the fast break get these guys getting their transition baskets early and then you can make a switch you can make an early substitution I liked in the first preseason game, you put Smart in for Amir Johnson and suddenly you go from the Twin Towers back there sort of to playing small. And that just suddenly changes the entire dynamic. Or you could put a Linux in as the, the first big off of the bench at the five or six minute uh, five or six minutes into the game and change things up that way. And now you have a much more dynamic offense and a Linux it's a drop off defensively, but it's not terrible. So he's he's become that quote unquote good team defender, which I love that that label that people have come up with. He's become a good team defender, which means you get roasted one on one. But in the grand scheme of things, you at least get into the right place at the right time, and you're not a total liability. Yeah, uh, actually, JJ Redick and Zach Lowe were talking about this on the other uh, on the podcast the other day. How that's like. Yes. Becoming the analysis of the league is like the third man in pick and roll defense is how we analyze players instead of just like their ability to stop someone one on one. And you're right. Kelly Olenek is a great team defender. Great in the team concept. (laughs) I was just thinking about this, too. If he plays with the starters, he would be the, the fifth scoring option. And I know most of his impact would be kind of from spacing, but he actually... He may be able to do more in terms of putting up numbers and actually scoring points if he's kind of the ball goes through him. But if he's playing with the rest of the starters, I can't imagine there'd be many play calls kind of designed to get him involved. And for someone who struggles with kind of uh, confidence issues, it might actually be helpful for him to be kind of the man on the second unit than it is uh, um, kind of just another person on the on the starting unit. Yeah, no, that's a good point. We haven't really talked about it from that perspective on the show yet, that Olenek is going to be really important for the second unit and getting his offense going, maybe maybe putting him on that second unit like that and being a primary scorer when you know in the second halves of, of first quarters, getting into the second quarter, that gets him going a lot more and it gets him more involved. So that's, that's an excellent point. And on top of that now, you've got the Horford – and Amir Johnson dynamic that they've really worked out. And I always, every show we talk about this, here's the caveat, three preseason games, 
twice against the Hornets, once against the Sixers. Not exactly top-notch competition at this point so far. So we, we don't know exactly how this is going to carry over into the regular season. However, they are developing a little bit of a chemistry. And that's something that is important. If you learn how to play together in, in this dynamic with both of them on the floor at the same time, then why not try to carry that over and, and see if that continues into the regular season? In fact, that's part of what Al Horford was talking about earlier today at practice. So let's listen to some of what Al Horford had to say. Uh, it's a work in progress. Um, I think for Paul and I to really get clicking, it took us, it took us a long time. Um, uh, you know, so uh, I'm not rushing it, but I'm just trying to fill out a mirror, see how he plays, see how, you know, I always talk to them, you know, about us passing the ball inside and just doing different things. And the biggest thing for us is just to keep communicating. And, um, and you know, the more comfortable I get with the system, I think that, you know, the easier it will be for, for, for all of us. When you look at that starting group as a whole, you've only played a couple games together. I think Brad and you guys can say that you got a long ways to go, but what do you think is the key ingredient to you guys fitting together so well so far? Um, you know, I just think that um, we have a group of guys that, that they get it. They want to win. They understand that we need to be unselfish, that we need to, uh, you know, move the ball around on offense. And, uh, and we've done that the first couple games. It's only two games, but... Uh, we're building good habits. That's the biggest thing. We want to get good shots. We want to, you know, just keep building good habits. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. Okay, so Horford there also bringing up the the continuity with Paul Millsap, saying it took a long time for him and Millsap to develop a chemistry together. And we know how good Millsap is. So, but just getting together with Amir Johnson and that whole dynamic of where he wants to be on defense, who's calling out the signals, offensive, what really where Amir Johnson needs to be to give Horford space. Now, Johnson's not exactly a three-point threat, but he'll go out there and he'll shoot him. So it's not like DeAndre Jordan, let's say, who once he's... 15 feet away, you don't have to getting too far out on him. At least Amir Johnson, you have to take an extra step, which is enough room for a guy like Al Horford to get some room to opt. Yeah, I mean, I, Amir Johnson, he's going to have the longest shooting form uh, ever, and his his release time may not be the best, but he, you have to somewhat respect him. I thought an interesting thing I was just thinking about listening to that quote is, just thinking about that Johnson and Horford in terms of tenure in the league are kind of the two most experienced Celtics. So you'd imagine those two just kind of having minutes in the NBA, um, kind of an easier time melding together. And especially with all this time playing together in the prison and in, in training camp, that that kind of that process will, would go easier than than meshing in um, Olenek and Horford. I can imagine that all of these reps are going kind of going back to that earlier point where we were saying that they, it would make sense that these two would at least start the season in the starting lineup. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm very confident in in this. I'm, I'm very confident in their ability to get together and click. And you know, as as Horford said, just trying to feel it out, 
see how Ramir plays, figure out passing the ball, interior passing. That's another aspect of this, which for longtime listeners and longtime readers is my favorite thing. Interior passing, big-to-big passing is just – it's so tough to do when KG did it. Man, he's one of the best interior passers I've ever seen. It was amazing. So that type of thing, if those guys can start working out that dynamic, it's, it's really one of my favorite things to see on the floor. And speaking of passing, that's something that Brad Stevens talked about today. Let's listen to Coach Stevens here. Where part of it's it's a good problem to have that these guys are are actually being too unselfish. Well, I th- I think that thus far you know their skill sets fit each other nicely. I think Al's had a contagious effect on our passing in that group, and and I just think everybody is looking maybe maybe one pass too many at times. I think that, you know, but I'd rather dial it back than turn it up. Like I think that ultimately those guys are. Um, they're trying to share the ball to the point where yesterday I thought they passed up a few really, really good shots. But I think that both those guys being able to play in the seams, both those guys being able to catch it off, pick and roll, and quickly move it to others has really had a great impact on the whole group. I like that point that Brad made that he would rather dial it back than pump it up. And I I love that because it's very true. It's something I believe in. I'd rather have someone try to do too much and you just bring it back then try to pull it out of them. So it's again, back to like the Kelly Olynyk example, isn't it just so frustrating to try to pull offense out of him? I'd rather have him shoot too much and then say, okay, hold on. Not in this situation. Marcus smart. Marcus smart has taken some horrible three pointers shoots in some bad situations, but I'd rather have that and then dial it back and say, not there, but here, and he can kind of make that adjustment a little bit better. It's harder to pull somebody out of their shell. So these guys are passing too much, then at least you can point, you can stop the tape and say, boom, there's a good shot, that you to take. Boom, right here, that's a cut that you should just take that and go and score. So I kind of like that point, and I, I think... And watching these games, I think Isaiah Thomas especially has been a lot more maybe trying to get everybody involved. So I'm looking at that as a good thing. They're trying to get each other involved and really work on this chemistry, and no one's really going one-on-one. You hit it right on the head is that looking to pass is not a bad thing and that everyone, all these guys are professional basketball players and kind of – they have the ability to kind of scale that back at any point and look for their own shot. But the fact that they're leading to pass early is a good thing. And it just, I think it makes it more fun to play basketball. I'm by no means have ever played professional basketball, but I play pickup fairly frequently. And if you're on a team where people are looking to pass the ball and looking to kind of share and, uh, get other people opportunities, it's just more fun. And you're actually, you're, you're not, you're like kind of playing with the other team. It kind of builds up this team, um, personality but on the other hand if you're playing with a guy who's just like looking for his shots the whole time it's one of the most frustrating things in the world so and and in those situations where they are passing too much if someone passes like passes up a no shot you can easily just come to them and be like hey man that you needed to take that and people are usually amenable and realize like when they make that mistake so i agree it's easier to scale looking to get everyone involved is a is a good sign especially for the early stages in the season yeah i i definitely feel 
just when that when the ball was moving around and everybody's getting a touch it just makes you feel better about your own game when you can touch the basketball and literally we I, when people hear us say get touches we literally mean touch the basketball cuz there's nothing more frustrating than going out there and setting picks or running off of picks making cuts working hard and not even touching the ball so you can do something. Even if you touch the ball and make a pass, if you make a pass that leads to a pass that leads to a basket, you don't get any statistics. You don't even get the hockey assist, but you feel like you started the ripple effect. You rolled the snowball down the hill and something positive came out of it. So overpassing is a good thing a week and a half into training camp. I am not worried about that. I love watching him so far. Uh, it's to an irrational degree. It's really, I've, I've got to tell myself to calm down because just him bringing the ball up the floor, running the, the plays through him in the high post, and running all of those actions. I know, uh, I forget who it was, but it was on Celtics blog. They ran a play, and they just, it was Horford in the high post. It was a pin down to get Horford into the high post. And then it was dribble handoff, nope for uh, Isaiah Thomas, and then uh, Avery Bradley dribble handoff action, no pass it, get another pick. And it was just ten different looks that the Celtics could. Makes me think about just seeing how kind of talented Horford is, and I, that possession was great, and that Celtics blog breakdown was pretty uh, pretty cool. It was just the ball ping ponging around like that, but just like. Going back to Horford, just how talented is, how delusional were we kind of as Celtics fans the past two years in just watching these teams that were so, such little talent on the floor <laughs> and and we're, we're thinking that these are some great basketball, pretty good basketball teams, but really it was just kind of this magician Brad Stevens like mixing and matching. It was kind of, it's just so refreshing to see someone with just kind of natural ability and it's, it's. It's been a nice change, even in these three preseason games. I know it's a small sample size, but it, the fact that it was that noticeable from like just pretty much from the first possession was was breathtaking. I'll go as far as to say it was breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I like Jared Sullinger, but it's just it's not it's not the same. It's nowhere near the same, and uh, like not even close. So this is very nice. So okay. Fellas, I'm going to pause for a second. And don't fast forward this because I got something real important to talk to you about. I want you to do this. Be honest with me. Go to your underwear drawer and just go pull out any pair. You're listening while you're getting ready. Just pull out a pair. I guarantee you there's a hole in your underwear. I know it. Stop screwing with me. I know that it's there. That Guilty. Guilty as charged. It's, we all do it. I have. And it just means you need a new pair of underwear. So let's be adults. Let's be grown men here. It's time to go get yourself some new underwear. And not just new underwear, new T-shirts, new underwear. If you're Jay King, you're a hoodie guy, I'm telling you, Mack Weldon is the place to go. Mack Weldon hooked us up, no doubt. They gave us they gave us a little bit of a cash that we could use on their site so we can go try this stuff out ourselves. If you go to my Instagram right now, my Instagram's uh, at JK Reds Army, you'll see I'm currently wearing the long sleeve 
Pima cotton shirt, which as soon as I got home, I got out of my work gear. I put this sucker on. It's really comfortable, nice and soft. It feels good. It fits good. I got a pair of their underwear. It's just really, really comfortable, and it's great to go work out in. It just it doesn't ride up on you. It doesn't do all this crazy stuff. So I'm telling you that it's from my personal experience. Uh, I know that they gave it to me, but I am definitely going to go buy more. Uh, they are uh, big believers in, in smart design, the premium fabrics, uh, everything that they have, socks. I bought a couple of pairs of socks. They're those cool. You know those funky striped socks that they have now? It's really – they're like stylish. So – uh, it's all very comfortable, and it's all really simple. And Jay was right the other day. The, the more I bought, the more the bigger a discount that I got. So I, I'm telling you how this works for me. You should go just check it out. You don't have to spend too much money. Just go buy a couple of things. Use the promo code LOCELTICS at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K Weldon.com. Just go check it out. The T-shirts, I swear, they're comfortable. The undershirts... They're made of this performance-type fabric, really high-end stuff that it feels good. It wicks the sweat away. It, and if you really want, they've got this silver uh, underwear and shirts. They're naturally antimicrobial, so that stuff uh, will not smell if you are working out in it. Uh, go to MacBeldon.com. Use the promo code LOCELTICS, 20% off. I guarantee you that you will like what you buy and definitely go back like I'm going back. So let's just put that out there. The big news from today's uh, Celtics practice was Danny Ainge, via the Chris Forsberg Twitter, dropping the Danny Ainge eats free Chipotle card. We know that Danny loves Chipotle. I can't imagine getting to a point in my life where just eating something so much will just get that company to give it to me for free. Well, I think the fact that he's the, the GM of the Celtics and played a professional basketball helps in that situation. But you're right. He, he probably has to go there. And from all the reports, Chris Forsberg is like the ultimate um, Chipotle reporter in terms of uh, Celtics. And he, from his reports, it seems like Danny will literally eat there every single day. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like the big joke now that he – will sniff out a Chipotle. You could be in the middle of the Mojave and he'll find a Chipotle hanging out behind a cactus. So that he's a big Chipotle guy. So got us to thinking, got me to thinking, if you could have the unlimited card at any chain. Oh, it has to be a chain? What would it be? Well, yeah, because you have to be able to travel. Like this is a place where you could go – and travel and just drop you don't want it to just be a local place you want to be anywhere in the world and just know that you could walk to a strip mall or or something uh, an area where there's a high traffic area and there's a good chance that this place is going to be uh all right so my initial answer is if it was just boston local we're going to be uh anna's taqueria and otto's pizza because i actually lived right next to those places um but switching up to a more national chain i'm gonna have to go with popeyes oh that's such a good choice i could probably eat a three-piece popeyes tenders with um fries a biscuit and buffalo sauce at any point in my life 
That is an excellent choice. I'm I'm dying for uh like I I would love to be I'd love it for it to be Chipotle. I would go to Chipotle all the time too. I'm out here. Like I would love it to be Chipotle, but if it's not Chipotle, I I'm going to basically just pick one of the pizza chains because I mean it could be like Sabaros, which is not great pizza, but it's but pizza. It's you can't go wrong with pizza. I I don't think I just won a sponsorship with Sabaro with that it's Sabaros. It's not great pizza. <laughs> you you might have though. I think Sabaros is pretty self aware and they know that it's not great pizza. So at least someone's Actually, talking about it. No, you know what? Here's my answer. Here's my answer. It's Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh. I'm I am constantly at Dunkin'. I'm drinking two Dunkins every day. And if it's if I'm in a pinch, I like to pack my own food and eat breakfast at home and pack my own lunch. But if I'm in a pinch, I I order on the go. I'm like a fiend with this on the go app. I will order one of those ham, egg, and cheese like their uh, like their version of the egg McMuffin or one of their little breakfast wraps. It's not it's not bad for you. It's the, the calories are pretty low. It's not like a ton of horrible crap in there. It fills you up, and and I'm totally I'm a, I'm hooked on that Dunkin's coffee. So totally Dunkin. That's my answer. I think that that's completely fair answer, and it, it shows that you're a true New, you're a true New Englander though. That's like a there. I oh, yeah. in moving to Philly, there's there's a lot of Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, you see them everywhere. But in in Boston, it kind of felt like a like part of the culture, like part of the fabric of the, every neighborhood was the was the Dunkin' Donuts or the other Dunkin' Donuts that was just minutes from that Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, there's I think almost literally a Dunkin' every square mile in in the New England area, the greater Boston area. It just yeah, they're everywhere. So that would make it very easy, and I mean they're big enough nationally where. If I'm in an airport, there's a good chance there's a Dunkin'. Uh, you can go to, I know there's a lot of cities. New York has a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts around now. You can go to most of these major cities and find yourself a Dunkin'. So, uh, you know, hey, Dunk- now Dunkin', I could, if I got big enough, then that would be the place that gave me the black card because there's no doubt, there's no doubt that I would be spotted multiple places with one of those cups in my hand. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, if anyone okay. from Dunkin' Donuts is listening, uh, feel free to, to hit us up for sponsorship opportunities. Seriously. Because if we'll go at this length for free, imagine what we'll do uh, for yeah, money. Exactly. Oh. But I know there's a lot of people in their cars right now drinking a coffee going, yep. So, all right, let's uh, wrap this up. Before we wrap this up, when we get into this Kevin O'Connor thing, because you brought it up earlier uh, before we were recording, and it's really interesting, the – the the shooting coach thing, he had a great breakdown of things like the the Kawhi Leonard before and after was was really good and I forget who else he had that had that slingshot. Uh, I think it was Ken, Ken Bazemore. Yes, it was Bazemore, where guys would both of those guys would bring the ball up and went behind their head and kind of slingshot it forward, which is not really a great shooting stroke. And fixing both of their shots has made a huge difference in their careers. Kawhi Leonard, on top of being obviously a defensive player of the year, 
has become a really good three-point shooter and almost entirely because he fixed his shooting form like that. Yeah, I thought one of the most interesting things was kind of the emergence of these shooting coaches or shooting doctors that they're they're guys who are only focused on shooting mechanics and some teams have even go as far as to kind of put that as a special position on staff. Um, so a lot of like most coaches in the NBA will have will know something about shooting and should be able to like work with a specific player. But a team like the Celtics, who have their fair share of problems with shooting, doesn't have a shooting specific um, guy on the team. And for one, I thought that was interesting. But then I was also uh, kind of fascinated by kind of the, with the newer technology, the the techniques that these coaches are using of like getting these guys on film and being able to like really slow down the process and sh- like show the players after every single shot. I think there was one talking about one guy who had, had an app on his phone with like loaded up with videos of a specific player and going to sh- go through every single part of the process and basically finally, finally tune a person's shot uh, down to like small elbow movements and uh, footwork. And it was just kind of fascinating because we, we always hear about these guys in the draft who's like, oh, they're all this, they're all that, but, but they can't shoot. And we, it's never been really – we've never been to know if that's like a fixable problem. We've had kind of um, stories about that and some players have and some players have it. But it really seems like something that it, it can be worked on and it can be fixed unless your name is Ben Simmons and you may be shooting <laughs> with the wrong hand. Kevin O'Connor is completely convinced, and he wrote in the piece, I've never – felt more sure of anything in my life that Ben Simmons is shooting with the wrong hand, which if you, I would recommend And now Kevin writes for the ringer now. So Kevin is following the Zach Lowe path out of Boston Celtics blogdom to mainstream popularity, which good for him. That's amazing. I love it. He, so you got to go to the ringer now to find his stuff. He has a great breakdown of Simmons finishing around the rim in a million different ways with his right hand, and then all of a sudden taking jump shots with his left. So, it, look, that there's. They even talked to G- DeAndre Jordan. He's the same thing. You, they've talked to Jordan about maybe he's shooting with the wrong hand because he does so many other things right handed. There's a definite possibility. I mean, for some reason, some guys, they are right handed and they decide to shoot left, and they that's all they've ever known. I Look, if I had a son. I would teach him to be left-handed as a basketball player as much as I could. And at, at least that would get him to be ambidextrous because the ability to go left and play left is a big advantage in the NBA. It just It's counterintuitive to how you play most of, most of your life as a defender. So, But, yeah, that's really interesting. Look, a jump shot, I've said it before on this show, it's like a golf swing. It has to be very, very precise and repeatable at any stage of your career. That's just very – if it's repeatable in the exact same way every time you take a shot, then you're going to become a really, really good shooter because then it just becomes a matter of judging the strength and hand-eye coordination and and that – I mean, it's basically it. You go and you watch any of these shooting tutorials. There are – tutorials on how to catch the ball and are you hopping or are you a two-step shooter and there are theories that if you hop you're taking a lot of the pressure away a lot of the momentum away and it really forces you to 
bend down and regather, and that slows you down. So there's there's an entire tutorial out there just on that, where your elbow should be, how high your release should be, all these different things. I don't want to get into all of the nuance of shooting, but it's so interesting. Your toes should be tightly, slightly slanted. Pointing your toes straight forward gets you a little bit of a chicken wing. Like that, and your elbow flares out, and now you got problems. So, I guess when we talk about guys who can't shoot, that is something that can be fixed, but it takes a ton of repetition. And you got to get yourself to a point where you're doing that every day. And if you're trying to completely overhaul somebody's shot, like Marcus Smart was earlier this season, was talking about fixing his shot, excuse me, fixing his shot and not bringing the ball down as much. And to do that, you have to shoot, 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 shoot. After practice, take 500 jumpers. Before practice, take 500 jumpers. And just keep doing it the right way every time. And I know the Celtics don't have a shooting coach necessarily, but every coach should be a shooting coach because every basketball coach has been taught and has seen the basics and can get to a spot with these guys that this is what you should be doing. Yeah, I think Marcus Smart's kind of the it will be a great example this year because there were all those stories about how he fixed the hitch in his shot and that this is going to be the big change for him. Um, but is he going to one kind of put the work in on his shot? Uh, all the stories you hear about Marcus Smart is he's one of the hardest workers in the gym. But uh, I would imagine that's a lot on his kind of his strength and his athleticism and his kind of his intensity. Does he uh, kind of take that to his shot and? I know you said that all coaches should be uh, should be able to uh, kind of help a person improve, but I I would think that as someone who's purely focused on kind of shot mechanics, having that person on the staff would help. And of course, there's no real like counterfactual situation where we could have uh, Marcus Smart with the shooting coach and a clone of Marcus Smart without a shooting coach. But I just think it'd be it's something interesting to consider, especially as the Celtics are a team that has struggled in the past couple of years um, with shooting, uh, why they don't have a, a shooting-specific person. If only we knew someone who like was able to ask Brad Stevens questions every day, um, <laughs> maybe we could get a good answer about this. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. If only. If only. Uh, look, I, I'm sure that that's something – I'm not going to question Brad Stevens. If he feels like this, these guys need a, sh- a shot-specific coach then they will bring somebody in to do that and maybe maybe they do have somebody that they bring in every once in a while or maybe these guys have their own individual shooting coaches that they go to it's hard to say i don't know for sure uh maybe it'll help maybe it won't but i think if they find something that they can that can work then that that's something that they just need to repeat over and over again so marcus smart is definitely a culprit we saw Jay Crowder. I think he has worked on his shot a lot, and it's just a matter of just repeating the same thing over and over again. And and I think he's he's gotten a little quicker on his catch and shoot, but I don't know. We'll we'll have to watch more of the regular season to see how much better that is. And uh, yeah, you know, yes, the Celtics need to shoot better. Uh, I want to see. If guys like it's more like the the bench guys can can a guy like RJ Hunter who's supposed to be a shooter actually 
hit shots? Is he does he need to fix something in his shot? I think maybe his release point is something that needs to be considered. But I don't know. I, I don't want to get too too crazy with that stuff right now because we've gone on for a bit. It's really interesting though. Check out Kevin O'Connor and go to the Ringer to see that because it's if you're really a basketball nerd like us, this is the type of stuff that really. Uh, kind of gets to the heart of what makes a guy great versus a guy really good. And it can make a difference in a Hall of Fame career. It could make a difference in a max contract. You never know. So do that. Also, go to MacWeldon.com. Remember, you get 20% off by entering the promo code Celtics there. Be sure to subscribe to our show if you haven't already. And if you are a subscriber, a five-star rating is a huge help, and we thank you for that. Visit the rest of the network, Locked On NBA, for your entire NBA needs. Great overview of a lot of things. A big Eastern Conference preview coming up, and we're, we've participated in that. Locked On Fantasy for your fantasy basketball. Yeah, that's coming up soon. You're going to start drafting that team pretty soon. And then also, whatever team you want to follow, you want to just kind of check in throughout the season. If you know that we're playing the Spurs, then you can go check out Locked On Spurs and just search for them. And you can hear hear what what they've got going on, previewing the games, and, and this way you can be really informed and impre- impress your friends uh, at the office, wherever, telling them that you know having all this knowledge of the other team. That's all across the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for listening. We are the Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.